This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. Also joining me, we have Mo Walker. Welcome, Mo. I'm glad to be here and ready to talk about the crisis. Dan has vanished like the Flash at every pivotal moment on a DC crossover crisis event. We don't know why he's not here, but he was planning on being here, but he's gone, just like Barry Allen. So, let's talk a little bit about the crisis event. The sixth, the sixth annual Massive crossover event. This time it included Arrow, The Flash, Supergirl, Batwoman, Legends of Tomorrow, and Black Lightning. Um, re- going around the circle real quick, first impressions, Mel, what did you think? Man, this was actually like the super crossover event. Pretty much everybody was in this one. Lots of cameos from past superhero shows. Um, I enjoyed The Crisis for what it was. Very involved. I also think that because I was so used to the crossovers being three episodes, this one being five, I was like, Ugh, we're kind of spreading this out. But I was like, you know what? In the end, it, it came together. It, it all made sense. Um, I, I'm ready to get more into it. Mo, what did you think? Yeah, like Mel said, I've, I really, really was um, pleased with how it turned out. I know it's... It's a lot of heavy lifting on the parts of the cast and crew members. I think just juggling the source material and having to reinterpret the um, what what the crisis means in the Arrowverse because we we've been building this thing up for so many years, and I think it honestly stuck the landing. It certainly wasn't going to be perfect by any stretch of the imagination, given the limitations of television budgets, but. It's a very impressive feat, and I think that everyone involved should be proud of, of what they accomplished. I loved it. I I liked the little various nods. I love that the legends um, were the ones who were also like talking about it as if it was like a crossover event, as opposed to some of the other ones who were taking it a little bit more seriously. The fact that they were like, "Oh, you're the newbie this year to Black Lightning." That was a nice touch. Um, I loved all of the cameos. Uh, the Smallville cameo warmed my heart. It just did. I couldn't help it. Um, there were other cameos as well. And as Mel mentioned, they, they put the little Easter eggs here and there. We got to see how it all turned out. We lost Arrow, Oliver Queen, and we got the paragons. I'm I'm curious as to what you guys think about the paragons and how that played into it. Mo, how does it compare on screen versus the crisis event in the comics? So the paragon business, um, it, and I, I'll be honest with you, I I really don't remember call an equivalent to the paragons in the comics. There were, of course, multiple Superman. I mean, there were a lot of parallels in terms of the multiple Superman, um, Harbinger, uh, Pariah, and so forth. I I feel like in terms 
of the Paragons on television, it wasn't a necessarily, at least in my mind, a one a a a fit. They're they're what they were the Paragon of that necessarily fit. I think in the instance of KK Batwoman, I really hers kind of stretched a bit of credulity for me, and that may be because of how the character has been portrayed in her show. It was clear that they were trying to get or at least have a paragon representing, you know, almost all of the shows. Um, I think, and I love the struggle with, with, with Supergirl. I think hers was the best one because you really saw her struggle throughout the crossover to, to remain hopeful. And of course, Lex Luthor slipping in there to become a paragon was hilarious. Um, I do... I am curious about uh, the the Ryan Choi edition. He is in the comics a, an additional Adam ca- Adam character. So I don't. I'm no, wondering if he is the guy from Supernatural, and this is how we link the Winchester brothers to the, the Arrowverse. <laughs> that's all, that's so, so what happened. We so linked saying... the Supernatural brothers, the Winchester brothers, to the Arrowverse. Is what we did. So what you're saying is one of those Earths that was lost was the um, was the the supernatural the supernatural Earth. And well, we are losing it, supernatural this year. I mean, it could be possible. And is that why? So so if that's the case, we lost the supernatural world, and now coming out of the crisis, it's one of the seek the the Walker Tech. We're getting the Walker Texas Ranger universe. Let's not now. push it quite that far. I'm like, let it die. We won't push it quite that far. But no, like I agree. The, the Batwoman, I felt like Black Lightning was incorporated better than Batwoman, or at least it didn't feel as awkward. I always feel that Kate Kane just comes off as awkward, even in her own show. It's like she doesn't ever feel comfortable in any scene. The best that she's ever at is when she's opposite of Alice. But the actress who portrays Alice is so dynamic, I sometimes feel like she does the heavy lifting. But I, Batwoman was definitely the weak link for me in the crossover. Either of you guys have a weak link? Um, I would... And are you, so are you trying in terms of character or episode or both? Characters. Uh, in ter- okay. In ter- yeah, and I, 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 I certainly agree that I feel like... Batwoman was the weak link, and and to be fair to the character, it's one, the sh- you know it, it's more or less it's had, you know, eight episodes give or take before the crossover. The character was not even part of the crossover. In fact, her character, well, the version of Kate Kane that we're getting, <laughs> did not exist until twenty years after the the crisis on Infinite Earths comic came out. Um, and a version of Batwoman that was in the crisis got wiped out really quickly. Um, so so I can see where it may be difficult for them to kind of figure out where to to fit her, especially uh, since they I don't, her Paragon. I don't quite agree with that. I mean, she is basically, with Oliver gone, she is now the Arrow versus... Batman, for all intent and purposes. 
I mean, she's moody like Oliver in Batman. She barely says anything like Oliver in Batman. Like, the whole thing is, she's the next... Arrow in the Arrowverse was the Batman for the bigger universe because they couldn't actually get Batman on the small screen. So that was Oliver. And now Oliver's leaving, and we've got Kate. And Kate is basically Batman as a woman. And that's totally cool. But, like, with Oliver, you still feel humanity, and you still feel, like, even in his first season when he was starting out, you still feel humanity, and you still feel empathy for some of the things that he goes through. Where Kate, it's so wooden that it's very difficult. At least for me. Mel, did you have any uh, weak points, whether as an actor, an actress, a character, an episode? What did you think? I feel like I agree with y'all that the Batwoman episode was a little harder to get through. Because I always feel like that show kind of drags a little. And for me, that's what it did for the Crisis episode. Like we were just going kind of through the motions to get on the other side was really what it felt like for me so i eh, eh. but that one was not a show that i i started watching and then i was like i can't do this anymore and when i had to pick it back up for a crisis it was definitely the oh yeah i remember why i stopped watching this show so eh, eh. okay well um mo did you have a favorite cameo yeah, probably. Um, probably my favorite is is truly the the well in, in the first episode when we got the Titans, <laughs> um, the Jason Todd Titans, which really was a was a really cool cameo. Um, and in in the final part where where uh, well the the fourth uh, getting my yes the fourth episode the fourth part of the crisis in which you know the the universes restored the, the multiple universes are are secretly restored and we get to see um an, uh the doom patrol and we get to see the uh, the star girl in and the jsa members i really like the fact that um we are get we're getting we're, we're learning that st- some of those dc properties that are on the streaming service you know truly continue to um have their own universe but lucifer the inclusion of lucifer that was sweet i mean that that um so i've never actually like i tried watching a first couple episodes of lucifer and never really got hooked on it um so i didn't like i i know that people who are lucifer fans appreciated it but i want but i wanted to ask you about how this all fell out because i literally texted you guys in the group chat after I watched it and I was like, wait a second, what just happened? So I would like clarity on this in case there's any other people like myself who were a bit confused. So if I understand this correctly, infinite Earths were destroyed. Everything was combined down into Earth Prime. And then using the power of comics magic wagic, we now have earth's reborn but the people on earth prime don't actually know about it they think that there's only one and as recently as what was it 
Legends, was it, where they show, or was it Supergirl, where they showed the tablet and there's no other Earths? So this is why I'm still confused, because we're going to start talking about the aftermath on each of these episodes. And on one of them, I think it was Supergirl, they had the tablet, and it was either Lex or it was um, Brainiac, one of the Brainiac 5s that popped up, showed that there were no other Earths. And yet the way it was depicted in the end of crisis made it look like we have earth prime. And then we have the earth where uh, the doom patrol is. We have the earth where the team Titans are. And so I'm like, what the ever living F is going on. We just combined all these into one planet. Everybody, at least in the Arrowverse, is on a singular planet. It has been depicted on screen, at least from the way I understood it. And if I didn't understand it correctly, people are welcome to correct me. But on that tablet, they made it look like there's only one Earth. So where are all the Doom Patrol? Where are the Teen Titans that we were then given a hint at them now existing in these new Earths? So, okay. So, one, what, what, you can, okay. So, the way it's I know, been it's done, a lot. Uh, yes, it is a lot. So, so, what, ha- in, in the comics, um, when the crisis occurred, DC more or less did not try to stop acknowledging other worlds immediately after the crisis. But immediately after the crisis, there were faults in that logic and there were cracks in that hole. And then over successive years, writers, creators started hinting at, you know, other worlds and so forth. And ultimately, really, the DC did not acknowledge a true multiverse again, even though they had comics for like 20 years that took place in other realities they didn't acknowledge the crisis again until um a series called infinite crisis and and now what they could do on the television show right because we've already seen like there are these cracks their faults and they've acknowledged that up front they can say in the case of that brainiac five on supergirl their version of their earth as they know it no longer exists on that vibrational frequency because if we remember that all the earths have generate their own vibrational frequency that particular brainiac fives world may no longer exist as it were and when it when the reboot occurred it it turned into something totally different let's pause for on that for a second because i would just like to go back and clarify at the end of the crisis event before we got get to the aftermath episodes was there only Earth Prime, or was there Earth Prime with other planets that Earth Prime doesn't know about, like Teen Titans and Doom Patrol? That it is, cor- you're correct. Yeah, it is Earth Prime, and then those other secret Earths that they don't know about. So, so yeah. even though they, so then let's go forward to Supergirl, where they have the tablet. And they show the tablet, and they explained how the different Brainiacs came. And actually, I'm, I'm looking forward to discussing it because I actually think that... Oops, just a second. Um, there we go. Um, I'm actually looking forward to discussing Supergirl because I thought that the, all the Brainiacs was maybe my favorite aftermath. Um, on that one, they had 
one of the Brainiacs, like they had the Brainiacs go into the captured planet um, to basically wait there until they can restore things. Um, some of them were killed, blah, blah, blah. But on that one where the tablet is showing, you're saying that the reason why they're showing no Earths on their other Earths on their scan is because of an alignment issues in the vibrations. Correct. That that could so be the explanation. Basically what we're saying is to put this in a different context, like in the original Thor movie when all the planets of Midgard aligned, we may be able to see these people in a crossover or something like that. Correct. Because the or vibrations, the vibrations may align. Well, it's actually the actual lawyers may allow things to align, <laughs> but but say, same difference. Right. Okay. So as it is now, we have Earth Prime. Earth Prime will be what exists, but then that throws in the next thing. So let's talk Stargirl then, because Stargirl is coming. Technically, she's not part of the Arrowverse, at least as we know it, because she is a different plant, like the way it's been advertised is it's sort of like black lightning was when he first arrived. He wasn't part of anything. So if, if star girls and airing on the CW, are we just supposed to treat it like black lightning? Yeah. I mean, I, so I basically think... what they did is they reset the, everything combined everything into one thing and then introduced a new show to just start the whole process over again to make people confused. Well, yeah, you can blame the lawyers because probably what happened is is whenever they wrote these episodes for the crisis and came up with this ending was probably, you know, eight months ago or something like that. Probably it was like last spring or last summer. And the, the CW didn't even – they this, uh, this deal to air Stargirl on the CW after it airs on the DC streaming service – was not in place until about a few weeks ago, maybe less than a month ago. So they may not have known, and, and you can't fault the, fault the creators for that. I mean that that's a business that's a business arrangement. Okay, Mel, what did you think of all the Earths combining into Earth Prime? I'm so happy we had this conversation about explaining everything because I was a little confused about everything too. So I'm happy that now that we have an official breakdown and things make more sense, I'm okay with it. it to me, it felt like at some point they were going to have to combine all the Earths or some of the Earths. So when we had the big crisis and now it's Earth Prime and we get to the final scene, which we'll get to at some point. But I, I'm okay with it because now it gives um, way for more possibilities with more crossovers of characters because, you know, we could just kind of shoot over to Flash could shoot over Supergirl and Supergirl could shoot over to Legends or, you know, things like that. So I like when it gives us more possibilities and ideas for more stories so i was okay with everything ended up being in one earth prime and of course like we were saying before like there's also these other earths like secret earths that we don't know about so that gives way to more story too so i'm i'm, I'm about it let's talk about oliver queen and arrow oliver queen 
it is the character that kicked off the Arrowverse, the Berlantiverse on the CW. He has a legacy that now spans eight seasons. He is what helped introduce the Flash. The first crossover that we had was the Flash and Arrow, which if you remember how wonderful that was, it was great. Arrow has never been my favorite show, and that's why I sort of wish Dan was here, because I know that Arrow has always been Dan's favorite show. But there's a legacy. We, he, Oliver Queen is now gone. We may or may not, depending on how the backdoor pilot, which we'll be getting to shortly, we may or may not see Mia leading the Canaries in a spinoff. What do you guys think... How do you think Oliver and Arrow's legacy will play out on the other shows? We've already sort of seen it with the spinoff in terms of what's going on with Mia. What? How do you think that will play out? Mel, what are your thoughts? For me, they are already, especially with Crisis, they're already putting Oliver really on this pedestal. On this, you know, he gave everything for us. We must honor him in everything that we do. And, you know, I wasn't always the biggest Arrow watcher, but watching Arrow in Crisis, I really was like, man, you know, this is a true, like, legacy character. He gave everything. And he, he was kind of like the noble guy, you know, in the in the beginning when they're all fighting the um, the demons and he's asking monitor monitor's like look we gotta go blah 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 Arrow says is everyone off the planet yet he says no well then we're not done so little things like that about Arrow I was like okay you know what this is the guy this is the dude so I I definitely think that they're going to make it a what would Arrow do situation which is kind of cheesy but I I get why they're doing it so I, I do think you know, Arrow's gone, but he'll still have implications on future shows, and they're always going to find a way to bring him up. And, you know, Arrow was the first, you know, show of the new Berlantiverse shows on CW, so I feel like they're always going to find a way to honor that. What do you think of Oliver Queen and Arrow's legacy, and where do you think it will go from here? Do you think that Barry can carry the weight? I looked at like the the season count and arrow ended at season eight the flash is at season seven does that mean we're going to get one more season of the flash and then it's also going to wrap i i can't imagine a world where both oliver and the flash are gone but talk about arrow first so in terms of of arrow the show's legacy and and you know, I will take up Dan's mantle of defending Arrow. I wa- I've watched every episode of Arrow. We were oh, I that. have too. I, there have been some seasons where I regretted watching every episode, but I have watched every episode. So I can see the trajectory of Oliver Queen, how he has gone from what Oliver was when the Queen Gambits went down he landed on the island to becoming Arrow in the first season of the show to what he is now. You can see that 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 um, that hero's journey that he's undergone. And I think that having him go out fairly quickly in the crisis, I mean, that was a great twist. But to then bring him back 
as the Spectre, which was another interesting um, twist and, and, and another play on how a DC, another DC character, the Green Lantern, was Hal Jordan was handled when that character died and then came back to life. He was also the Spectre. But anyway, in terms of Oliver's Queen, I think that the show needed to present him as this paragon or lack of a better word hero that he is and that he he Oliver Queen and the show is being honored in a way that that shows that everything was central to Oliver everything was built everything in this Arrowverse came from that one singular show and I think that 20 years from now, when we reflect upon this, these shows, you're going to, whether it was good or bad, you've got to, you've got to note that this whole franchise was derived from Arrow. And, um, and I'm curious to see how they honor now the character of Oliver Queen in that final episode, because this entire season, this final season of Arrow, in my opinion, has been had some wonderful callbacks. I truly believe there is like only one really weak episode so far in, in the season, I, and and I really expect the final episode to stick to landing. But it's been a nice callback to to Arrow to to Oliver Queen's journey over these eight eight seasons in in the show. That you know he he's built this legacy that will hopefully be uh, picked up by uh, Mia in in a spinoff series. Now um, you were asking about whether or not you I think that Barry can now step up. I don't think it's also down to Barry because if you looked at the those Final Crisis episodes, Sarah seemed to step up. See, so, here's the thing about that, and I always. I under okay in my mind if it was Barry and Sarah I would love that if Sarah was leading the Canary spinoff I could totally see it but on Legends of Tomorrow where every single season you never know what the quality of the season is going to be and she already has so many like crew members to manage like it's easy to see flash zooming around and dealing with people all over the place because he's all by himself and he has a support team who can sort of fill in when he's gone but sarah with the legends of tomorrow seems like to be quite honest the only way that that show is anchored is if she's there she can't really leave without things getting fucked up and the quality of the like last season sucked the season before it was fantastic and that's how it's been since the beginning the first season of dc's legends of tomorrow was not good the second season was much stronger and that's how it's been every other season bear like some people will complain about the flash i've never had like the feeling where one season is great and one scene is awful i've always thought that it's consistently strong yeah it has some weaker episodes but overall the flash has always been consistently strong for me so while i get what you're saying about sarah at the same time i'm like i just want a strong legends of tomorrow and i would rather them focus on fixing it and its many issues then have her try to be the one who's keeping it all together for all the rest of the shows. I, 
Well, so I guess my feeling is with regard to Sarah is is that because like she her you, you have to remember that char- that character's legacy too. She was on the Queen's Gambit. Okay, she went down with that ship. Right. No, I get it. I get it. And that's why I say, like, if she was back in the Arrowverse with Mia, I would totally be, like, 100% agreeing with you as her and Barry being the two primary leaders. Completely agree with you. But, see, my, my thing is, I feel like Legends is in season five at this point. And I think that at some point, sooner or later, that show is going to end. In it, whatever in its current formation, and then I think at that point, Sarah needs her own show. I don't think I think that she is beyond the the mantle of Black Canary at this point. So, I would think, you like her to basically be the equivalent of Black Widow and get her own? I mean, get her own show the way that Black Widow's getting her own movie finally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think she deserves it. That actress, that actress is a trooper. Yes, I she mean, Caddy Lots is a trooper. I She's mean, amazing. she is ride or die, and yeah. so. I think she needs to she needs to get her own show once Legends ends, uh, but but I do feel like at this point she's no longer Black Canary. That mantle has been passed to two other Black Canaries and three, you know, three technically if you don't count the two Laurel. If if you if you don't if you count two two Laurels versus one Laurel. But anyway, um, I just feel like. That, that that character is very capable of filling the role of Oliver. I mean, uh, if she had her own show, definitely. But I think, you know, for the time being, her, the flat, Barry and, and Sarah just being sort of the anchors, the two who are really carrying on Oliver's legacy, that's the way it should be, in my opinion. Let's talk a little bit about the aftermath of these shows. So on Supergirl which was at the most initially jaw-dropping, we ended up with, what, four or five Brainiacs, which was a great aftermath. Like, to see the other uh, Brainiacs show up, I was like, oh, shit, there's a whole bunch of Brainiacs. And the way the episode played out, I really enjoyed it. I'd sort of hope that one or two of them might actually stick around. Batwoman, we got two Alices, which... I have to say is was sort of like after watching Supergirl with five, four or five brainiacs, I was like, so we got a single Alice. This doesn't really feel like much um, on the on on arrow. We had the special Canaries episode, which I actually really enjoyed. And it might actually be the first time that I like Laurel Laurel as war torn, bitter-ish Laurel is actually sort of fun, and I don't mind it at all. And Mia, who I watched on um, Shadowhunters, and I liked her on Shadowhunters, I love her on Arrow, and so I'm all on board for a Canary spinoff. But that was sort of their aftermath episode. We haven't seen The Flash yet, and Black Lightning, which we haven't talked about a lot, so if we want to circle back for both of you on that, um, we can... But Black Lightning just sort of did a little bit of dialogue explanation about the Earths and then didn't really explain, like, didn't have huge implications. But I think that's in part because Black Lightning's stories are so, like, 
outlined. I mean, they're doing the whole campaign, and it's really hard for them to do the crossover and then come back and change the story arc that they're on. Legends of Tomorrow um, didn't really feel like there was much of an aftermath until the very last bit, and then we got Zar- we got a hint at Zari. So, Mo, which of those stood out for you and um, in terms of the aftermath? Well, I have to say I, it, I have a tie in terms of the two that stood out for me. I thought the Supergirl aftermath episode was great. Um, probably one of, if not the strongest episode of Supergirl this season for me. I would even uh, I would even say not only this season, I would say of several seasons. The, for me, that was one of the strongest episodes it's, that show has ever aired. But people know who've listened to this podcast know how weak I've considered Supergirl as a series. So I think the having, you know, really, and it really truly tackles the crisis um, head on. With a resetting the the Luthors, especially because you know all of the Luthors are considered these patrons of society. I mean, Lex and Lena do gooders, you know, do gooders. I mean, it, it's and even Mama Luther. I mean, like she, it's it's hilarious. She's she's running a nonprofit when we first um, see her. I think. Um, I wonder if, in terms of the resetting of Lex, is it because the CW has now ordered the Superman and Lois show, and that's kind of to help set things up, to set up some sort of antagonist for uh, uh, Superman and Lois on that show? Let's let's circle back to that, because I think that there's a flaw. If that's what they're doing, I think there's a flaw in it. But let's circle back to that after you've had a chance to discuss that, and I can get Mel's opinion on Black Lightning. Sure, sure. So I I think in this—the crisis really helped, in my my opinion, to kind of reset Brainiac 5, which was a character I think had a little screw loose, to be honest, and wasn't what I quite expected— Brainiac 5 to be, whether it was his coloring, whether it was his attitude. We got a hint of what Brainiac 5's true potential could be when the he more or less malfunctioned last season. But I think the bottle episode, the fact that Brainiac 5 is able to interact with other Brainiacs, drop in that hint of like, you know, their ancestor brainiac loving to uh, uh, enjoys bottling up cities which was a really fun nod and yep. for fans of the show krypton you know that was one of the key central pl- plot points was brainiac trying to bottle up candor and these other cities and other worlds so it was really great to have that in there but even the look of brainiac 5 that we get at the end really embodies what the character should look like and um especially for fans of the legion of superheroes and that in that character um and i part of me has always felt that they couldn't have two really green colored characters on screen that it may confuse people and with hints about um john jones maybe leaving supergirl and 
And the fact that, you know, Jean has talked about how he prefers just being, you know, in his black form, you know, now. So it, it could be like going forward that I hope that this will continue to be the look of Brainiac 5 and his attitude. But and in terms of Lena and Lex, I part of me feels like not, not I feel like with Lena I'm concerned about the show really putting that back in that character into a corner. I think that the crisis was a moment in which, you know, we saw that Lena's willing to put aside her issues to work for the better good. And I know that she, that character has issues with Kara and it's going to take them a bit of time to make themselves, to allow for them to get back to each other. I just hope that Lena teaming up with Lex doesn't, backfire on her and really put that character into a corner in which she's not salvageable um and and the legends what did you think of zari so i'm you know i'm i really see the the problem is is that because zari disappeared the whole zari disappeared because of changes to the timeline before the uh before the crisis even came so it's kind of feels kind of weird that you know, if they could have aligned things up better, having Zari's Zari uh, Zari being um, rewritten, her her timeline being rewritten, part of the crisis, I think would have a much more better impact. But as it stands, I think meet meet the legends, which was the episode was called. I think it was um, a, a fun episode. Um, it reminded me of the television show called uh, What We Do in the Shadows in terms of this uh, documentary type style that it was presented as. It showed all the quirks of the legends. I think it really helped cut down on that legends cast, which I feel like was getting a little bit bloated. Um, I think getting getting rid of the, the Time Bureau is much needed. I think that part i think the legend sometimes become it it really straddles that line between is it just too absurd and i really think that they really could have done with the crisis getting rid of gary (laughs) so (laughs) i don't need i don't need him to be constantine's sidekick for the rest of the season i just don't (laughs) well i mean I personally feel like like someone like Gary, maybe he's like that actor's like a fan favorite of the writers, and that's why he's he's kept around. But I I do agree. I think you know we got too much Gary last season, and I think that that really helped to um, it really kind of impacted my, my enjoyment of last season. I didn't think it was horrible. Um, I didn't think it was as good as the previous season, um, season three. But I think that we needed less Gary. Um, we certainly needed to do away with the Time Bureau. So before we get to the League of Heroes, Mel, what did you think of how Black Lightning was incorporated into the crossover? And what did you think of the Im- the impact or lack thereof of the crossover on Black Lightning this past week? So I loved how they incorporated Black Lightning into the crisis because he comes in on Flash's episode, which makes sense because Flash, Lightning, he controls Black Lightning, controls Lightning. It all came together. I was like, oh, well, duh. Who else's episode could he come in on? And I like that 
Black Lightning was always kind of in the right place at the right time. Like, they had him involved. He wasn't, I wouldn't say, like, super involved, but he was definitely enough. Like, he was there to help Barry destroy that thing that was keeping um, Jay Garrett um, in the speed force. So I was like, okay, that was definitely pivotal. That definitely helped a lot. So I, I feel like his part in Crisis, he, he had a big enough part to where it wasn't mm, huge, to where it didn't make sense that he would be so involved, but it, it was good enough for me. I liked it. And then I also liked that when he got back to Freeland, literally the first scene is him and Jennifer, who were really the only two characters who had a direct involvement in Crisis, kind of meeting up and they're like, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? What's going on? What's happening? And they're kind of like, well, that was weird, but I guess it's back to business as usual, which goes back to kind of what you were saying, Luke, that Black Lightning has always been kind of really this self-contained show. And for me, that's kind of a reason it's so strong all of the time because it knows what kind of show it is and it knows the stories it's going to tell and when it's not going to be. So I, I really enjoyed that. And then in this episode of Black Lightning, I also thought it was interesting that, you know, um, Black Lightning goes to Gamby to tell him everything that's going on. He's like, no, there were multiple universes and there was antimatter and it's all kinds of crazy. And Gamby is like, Gamby is like, what? Well, I, I don't know. I didn't see any of this. About. Oh, my bad. Did you not watch? The no, I was. I was talking about Gamby saying that he didn't like oh. he 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 didn't know any of this stuff that happened because he was like no he, I don't he says I don't remember any oh, of this I get it sorry <laughs> go medicine um so yeah exactly he, he's like I don't I don't remember what are you talking about there's none of this and you know he scans Black Lightning's suit and he sees like there are traces of antimatter on your suit and that's not possible and I don't know what's going on and I really loved all that because. Gabby is definitely our know-it-all character. He knows why something's happening, why it's not going to work, and how to fix it. So for him to be like, yeah, I don't know anything about what you're talking about and what you're saying is not possible, and my mind is blown right now, I really loved all of that. I, I thought it was great. So it's like small implications, of course, into Black Lightning that could make it bigger because because, you know, right now, all, all they know about right now is Earth Prime. You know, we're all together. There were multiple universes and not there are not. But there are secret universes, too. So that could come back into play. But I did like how they finally incorporated Black Lightning into a crisis. And I hope they make more room for him in others. What did you think about Lynn's addiction now being out? So that whole thing, I've been kind of waiting for that to explode at some point. And when Jen goes to see her and she is full on junkie status, I was just like, Ooh, Ooh, this is going to be bad, bad. And I liked kind of that because Jen is still so young. Her mom was still able to be like, no, you go over there and do that. I'm fine. It's I'm just tired. Don't worry about it. And she was like, all right, like something's wrong, but I'm just not sure what's going on. And Jefferson finally sees her and he's like, yeah, girl, you are cracked out. We got to get you some help. And she's still being, you know, defiant and a junkie and things like that. And I'm just like, I, I always thought that was an interesting twist to make one of the smartest people on the show, you know, the scientist turn into a junkie. So 
it's it's interesting. I kind of don't want them to drag it out though because that could get super bogged down, and I don't want it to. But the the big reveal was like, hmm, mm, there's more here. There's more coming. Mo, I want to circle back to you on something that you talked about with Superman because we got the news um, that we are going to be getting the Superman and Lois series. And obviously, Lex Luthor has always been Superman's biggest enemy. And when Lex was on Supergirl, before we really got, I mean, in past seasons, the reason why he worked on Supergirl is because there wasn't necessarily the expectation of a Superman series with actual Superman, because, like, we've had Smallville, but they wouldn't let him actually be Superman. And when we had the cameos, it was just a cameo. And so in many, at least in my mind, Superman was much like Batman. We're not going to actually see another TV series with Superman in it in this instance, especially when they're focusing so much on the films. I'm a little bit concerned about how this is going to work, because if this Lex, who is a bit of a scenery chewer, is going to be on, like, is going to show up on the Superman series, A, it takes, it, it diminishes and minimizes Supergirl, in terms of her rivals, because after having Lex Luthor be the stand-in for the the big bad, all of a sudden we're going to go back to what? Just Lena? And Lena as the big bad was, hasn't been that great. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to the new Superman series. I just think that Lex, if the, he's going to show up on Superman, it's like, we're going to basically be able to see Superman go toe-to-toe with Lex and beat him and then be like, so why didn't why did Supergirl have so many problems? I just feel like it's going to be really weird. I almost wish that they had waited to bring Lex in for Superman, a Superman series, then introduce him on Supergirl. How do you think that's going to work with Lex? Well, you know, I think in terms of for Supergirl, I mean, when Lex was introduced, I personally think that character needed that was a needed character. Um, given that everything we learned about Lex Luthor from the from the Supergirl show had we, we'd been hearing these rumblings about Lex Luthor, we'd been bringing in his mother, we'd been bringing in Lena, so it was inevitable that we were getting Lex, especially given that. Lex was the mastermind behind the entire season, so which was a brilliant move for Supergirl. But they did bat it, and they now are faced with this conundrum. And I think resetting Lex is a way to get around that. If we go back, but has he been really reset? That's the thing that I think about both him and his sister. He came through with all of his memories intact, so he hasn't really been reset. He's the same Lex that we saw in Supergirl. Lena got came through with all of her memories as well, so she's the same character that we have seen on Supergirl. Like, I don't see... Like, 
the the premise of Supergirl in all these shows has been reset, yes. But on a character basis, nothing has changed with Lex. He's just masquerading as a good guy for the time being. But that's something that Lex has done in many incarnations. But of course, but that's the whole point. If If he's been reset in the eye of the public, in the eye of the broader world. Because remember, pre-crisis, he was a criminal mastermind. He, they thought he was dead. They thought, you know, before that, he was scum of the earth. Now, Lex comes back. He has his memories of the, pre, of the pre-crisis, of, of the pre-crisis Lex. He can see where he made his mistakes. So it sets him up to be um, more of a... I would say a Tobias Whale type character or a Kingpin type character, if they're if they're going to utilize him in, in both shows. So so to me, that's what I see as a reset. His public image has been reset. Um, I think at it be, becomes a pro- pro- problem where they're they're going to probably have to start using Lex proxies and, and so forth. But I think for the Superman and Lois show. The biggest threat faced by Clark and Lois will be their sons. And if you remember, if you listen to the last bit of uh, uh, the Legends episode of, of Crisis on Infinite Earth, they said sons plural, not son. Right. So what are we getting as the who is the second son, which in and of itself could pose some additional concerns and problems. Um, just going from the comics, it could be. Um, Chris Kent, who is actually the biological son of General Zod, that brings in a whole mess of problems. Um, it could be Connor, Connor Kent, but th- the problem with Connor Kent and why I don't think it's Connor is because you get you got Connor Kent over in Titans right now. So it, it, it that's kind of weird having two versions of this of the same character well, but on. Different, how many well, people actually watch Titans? Well, that that's true too. So I mean. It, it could be that character, or it could literally be a whole whole new character that they've come up with. I, I personally wish maybe it had been one daughter, one one son, one daughter, but we'll see. But, you know, in this reset world, we don't know. One of the big questions posed has always been, you know, where's where's Batman? And you, you've talked about your love of the Super Sons, and, you know, that, that could be one avenue. Well, you know, there is no way in hell Lois and Clark is going to be John and Damien. <laughs> there is like, no way. There is no way that they're going to bring Damien Wayne in as like the second son that Superman is taking care of because Batman is off wherever. And <laughs> the whole reason funny. why we have Batwoman protecting Gotham. There's no way that that is John and, and Damien. <laughs> well, that'd be one hell of a twist. That would that for for sure. But um, I'm I'm curious to see who is the idea. I learned the identity of this the second the second son. But I think I hope that they, in terms of villains, again, Superman has has a much deeper bench of villains to mind than Supergirl. Uh, if anything, I think Supergirl should look beyond. Superman villains. There's a whole avenue of of options for her with just going down the Brainiac Five route. You have again now that Krypton's done, you can bring in 
Brainiac. But again, that 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 could that have to be more or less that character maybe shared with the Superman show. But another route is um, Viral Dox is the son of Brainiac from a comic called Legion, L-E-G-I-O-N, which also starred Lobo, who was also on Krypton. So you could incorporate some of those elements in the Supergirl and give her some new villains and a new universe to play in that would work quite well, in my opinion, with the setup of the DEO. I just Let me think- ask you about that then. One of the things that I thought was interesting about the first seasons of Supergirl was that many of it was very like alien focused. Would you if if Lex goes over to Superman, would you prefer that Supergirl go back to her alien of the week from another planet type format? Yeah, I mean, like, again, and if you pull from, there's so many alien races right. from the DC universe. I mean, we've already hinted at the uh, the the, um, the Dominators, right? So, and there are plenty of comics involving the Dominators trying to take over with sleeper agents and so forth that you can pull and mine from. There's, if they just, if you go back to the original premise of Supergirl, which is, it was Alien of the Week, Go lean into the alien races that the DC universe has, the comics universe has introduced. Coupled that with the show has clearly been been kind of um, it was a launch pad of sorts of introducing the Legion of Superheroes. You can bring in Legion of Superhero villains. There's a there's a, a large number of Legion legion villains you can bring in whether it's the fatal five you've had one of them on there already you can bring in the rest of the fatal five um you you can bring in more drew uh you can kind of tie it into the stuff that they're doing currently on supergirl with those uh immortal villains you can easily introduce more drew who's a legion of superheroes villain who is a um a wizard and have that character tied in to the current to the current villains um, that are part of Leviathan. I just feel like that that show is is limiting in themselves by not leaning on the wealth of DC characters, alien races, whatever that are available. So we don't know what happened to Monel, and I know that Monel is a highly controversial character amongst the Supergirl Twitterverse, but there's not to say Monel couldn't come back again. Well, with again, some, I, bringing some trouble that follows. Well, of course, they've set that up already. Because we've got Wynn coming back. Correct. And we know from previous seasons, when they last had Monel on there, when Brainiac, when, and one of the reasons why Brainiac 5 cannot go back to the future is because of this Brainiac virus that, um, that has been introduced. Where's that plot? That, and again, that ties directly into the Legion of Superheroes. There is like a whole avenue that this show could be exploring that's purely along the lines of its alien, alien of the week type storylines. My only concern with <clears throat> that is there is something to be said for the argument about Supergirl that at one point they were making it too much about everybody else and making it so that Supergirl was actually sort of an afterthought. Um, and I don't know why that 
sort of happened on Supergirl, on Arrow and The Flash, both of those main characters were always prime leads, even when they had supernatural-powered other characters on the canvas. But on Supergirl, Supergirl just sort of seemed to fade. If they can't balance that, I'm concerned about bringing too many super-powered characters back onto Supergirl again. Now it seems like if John is going to be fading off, we don't have <clears throat> James around anymore. If they start bringing them back and Supergirl's sort of takes a back seat again, that's not something that I necessarily want to see. Um, let's wrap this up. Final thoughts on the crisis event. M- Mel, how about you first? I mean, it was a great crisis. I want to see how everything plays out after Crisis, especially now because we have the League of Heroes in their airport hangar, not hiding from anyone. So, yeah, that's that's always fun. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think it was a great Crisis. Mo, final thoughts? I got to go back to when Mel was talking about Lynn um, and her scenes being cracked out. Going down the toilet. Yes, Lord. Oh, she put her hand in that toilet. I was through. I was like, that was real, boy. That was real. Uh, But, but getting back to the crisis overall, I think that it it it's a nice sort of rebooting, or in or rather the closure of let's say phase one of the Arrowverse. Or, um, so does that mean we're gonna finally get Batman in phase four? Hey, why not? I mean, like, I mean, I think honestly, I think that's a question for the lawyers. I I, I do bring up the lawyers because it somehow feels like the master villains that are controlling everything on on these Arrowverse shows are the lawyers (laughs) because they're the gatekeepers. Truly, I think that at this point, that. You know, the show's moving forward. I'm interested in seeing smaller crossovers. Like, so we've set up Black Lightning is now on a world with Superman and the Flash. How great would it be to have um, uh, Jefferson, you know, come over to the Flash, have a conversation with um, Joe West? How great would that be? Or when Superman and Lois are up and running, how about having Jefferson on there with um, super uh, uh, with Superman just talking about raising a family and superpowered children? There is just so many unique opportunities to smaller crossovers, and we don't necessarily need a large uh, crossover. Uh, let's just let's just back up for a second. Not even that type of a crossover. Why can't we have? Uh, Alex and Anissa end up in a love lesbian relationship and they have to do it long distance. Well, uh, quite frankly, I was thinking the money shot would be for me would be Sarah and Alex because they are already hooked up. So, yeah, but I don't think we want to revisit that. I would like, I would be very, (laughs) but here's the thing. And this is where I'm concerned. I'm concerned about black lightning now being, on Earth Prime with them, flat out. Black Lightning in its first seasons has been so fantastic. 
And it's handled so many topics so well that other shows did not. Supergirl didn't do a great job of some of its more socially relevant stuff. Black Lightning has done a fantastic job. I And there's, there's something meaty, substantive about the action and the storylines that we get in Black Lightning where all the other ones, whether they're dark or light, are much more fluff. And I'm concerned about too many crossovers from the other shows into the Black Lightning world impacting the quality of Black Lightning as it stands now. I think that is a massive concern that these that the like the executive producers of Black Lightning, if they, I'm sure they are already, but if they're not, they need to be aware that like too much of a good thing could ruin what is already an amazing thing. So, so I mean, for me, my take on it personally is, is that age old question? And, 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 and I think black lightning could handle it well. And, and I'd, I'd be curious to hear um, Mel's perspective, but for me, it's like you have a Superman, you literally have a Superman and character who is, you know, let's say, you know, a, a white male character with superpowers. You you can't, cannot have Superman come into Freeland and solve that community's problem. Right, you just right. Cannot. All the other and, all the other characters are white, and uh, and you just can't do it. Well, on that note, we would encourage you to comment on this episode at geekconfidential.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. You can find Mel on Twitter at at Melody Eagles. Mo is at drmo 77 And I'm at Luke underscore Kerr. We thank you for listening. Until next time, so long. Bye, y'all. Bye, everybody.